Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I am joined today by Lance Reisland. We are going to go over the Browns' free agent signings. Uh, Lance, thanks for taking the time to do this tonight. Absolutely, Dan. Thanks for having me. So I I wanted to, you know, look, we've talked about these guys, Mary Kay and I have, and Ashley and I have, so I thought it would be good to get a, another voice on here and kind of hear your thoughts on uh, mainly the big three that the Browns signed. We can also get into a couple of the other names that, that have come in, and we'll also look ahead a little bit, too, to kind of what you still like out there for this football team. Let's start with the guy that I know is your absolute favorite of this group, and he's the guy that got the biggest money, too. Dalvin Tomlinson. We got to hear from him today. He is the typical big defensive lineman. Seems like a fun guy. I'm I'm excited to actually get to, you know, meet him in person and and maybe get some locker room time with him when the season starts and uh he he's going to be a fun guy to cover, I think. What what is it about Dalvin Tomlinson though that makes him like a Lance Riesland guy? Well, for me, he's when I look at a defensive uh, tackle at any level, you've got to be able to hold up against those doubles. And, and uh, we have talked about this ad nauseum for a long time, but the Browns inside have not been unable to take on double teams. Uh, they get reached in the zone. They get blocked back. They get moved. Their gap integrity. And a lot of that doesn't have to do with talent. It just has to do with the style of those defensive tackles. And the Browns defensive tackles going to this, you know, going into this year, were all one gap guys. Uh, guys who rush a passer. What you get out of Thompson is my favorite. He's a big guy, 6'3". He's pushing 330. Uh, he's a two-gap guy. He's going to get into double teams. He's going to control the guard. He's going to control that B gap. Uh, he's not going to get moved. Uh, he's going to protect those smaller linebackers. So he, they're going to be they're going to have a hard time getting off those deuce double teams with those guard tackles. Uh, he can play in the nickel. You can put him on the nose if you go a three-down line rush. If you want to go nickel, he just fits that bull, uh, fits that bill where he's the big guy. He's going to be a two-down guy probably. He won't be in on third downs, um, but he's going to stop the run on first down. And to get to the third downs, to get to Miles Garrett, to get to Oboe, to get to these guys that they're going with, you got to get to second and third long. And that's why Thompson, for me, uh, smiling ear to ear, I think he's the best pickup. I think he's the best fit. Um, I know other guys like um, other people like different guys, but this is not a pass rushing guy. This is a guy who is going to anchor in there. He's going to be real boring, and he's going to be real productive. This is such an interesting signing because when you look at the direction the Browns have gone the last two years, um, it wasn't like this. Now they did. I don't know if you remember this, but back in 2020, they actually signed a guy who was in the news today. He signed someplace else. I didn't even realize he was still in the league, but they signed a guy named Andrew Billings away from Cincinnati. Big body defensive tackle. He ended up opting out that year. That was the COVID year and he opted out. Um, And then they ended up cutting him after the, the, the next training camp. Um, but other than that, they haven't gone after these big bodied guys. And last year in particular, it was Jordan Elliott. It was Tate Bryan, Perry and Winfrey, Tommy Togiai is strong, but he's not big. Like, like Tomlinson is, are, are you surprised that, that they kind of went out of character here? Well, you know, I think it's, it, you know, I think they address their needs. And when you look at it, they couldn't stop the run. They need an edge guy. I know you've been pushing for an edge guy. I know Mary Kay still wants a receiver. Uh, they needed a D tackle, so there's there's they need free save. There's certain things they went after. Uh, I'm not. I think you at any level, if you're getting moved, you got to be able to anchor in there in the run game. And uh, regardless, I think you know if you look at their their style of DTs, especially in the NFL, it's a pass happy league. Everybody's looking for pass rushers. Anytime you talk about a defensive lineman, the first thing that come out is sacks. And for me, it's always I'm the opposite. I'm a stop in the run. Um, I always felt you stop the run to earn the right to pass rush uh, as a defensive lineman. And I think what he gives you is he gives you enough 
uh, pass rush on first and second down. But what he's giving you is he's getting a guy who's not going to get moved. And if you look last year, uh, we you can show tons and tons of film where they're they are so gap unsound and these huge running lanes. And that's not because of uh, you know poor effort. That's because you know three hundred thirty pound offense linemen are moving them out of the way. So I think the uh, I'm not surprised. I think they addressed the need. Um, if they're going to stick with those smaller linebackers, they had to protect them a little bit with a big guy in front of them. Uh, that protects uh, JOK. I uh, still think for me, I still think they need a linebacker inside. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, he fits the bill and what they need. And I'm not shocked at all. So you mentioned he's not a pass rush guy, but he did get, it was a two and a half sacks last year. I don't have his stats pulled up here in front of me, but he, he can get to the quarterback in spots. What, what sort of pass rusher is he? Well, he's pretty interesting on film. So what he does really, really well is that, and I'm actually doing a little piece on him uh, right now, is that he, first thing he does is he recreates the line of scrimmage. So he attacks that guard. And by attacking that guard, it makes a double team hard from the tackle or the center. So that's what he does very well. And his pass rush move is very similar to what he does in the run game. He's not going to do much. But what he does that bothers a quarterback, the Tom Brady thing, is he's going to push the pocket. So he's not going to rip. He's not going to get to an edge. He's not going to club. He's not going to ghost rush. He's basically going to bull rush. And what he does is that regardless of whether it's pass or run, he's getting into that guard. And when he reads pass, he just bull rushes that guard back into the quarterback and kind of um, gets in the vision. So there's a ton of times I only I know he only had two sacks, but there's tons of uh, film. And I try to watch as much film as I could where he's getting great push. And that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but that's a pain in the butt for a quarterback. When you're getting that great push in that A and B gap, he does a great job of it. But for him, it's easy because it's the same thing on every play. He's very, very boring. He's big, and he's going to sit in that B gap, and you're not going to move him. And when he sees pass, he just bull rushes that guy. Boring is good for Browns fans if it means they're not giving up 150 yards on the ground every game. That's for sure. You know, I'm wondering, I've always kind of contended that as much as we talk about ends helping each other out, you know, the, the clowny Garrett combo, for example. I've always kind of contended that defensive tackle position is just as important, if not more important, to help a good edge rusher um, to really push the pocket. And, you know, if you put a guy next to Garrett that can push the pocket and force the quarterback out, I feel like that helps Miles Garrett out almost as much, if not more, than having that complimentary edge rusher on the other side. Well, schematically for me, when I was back a while ago when I was calling plays, you know, sometimes you get those edge rushers, you can scheme those up a little bit. You can slide protection to one, uh, put your best tackle on, you know, try to try to isolate your best player chip with a back. You're right. When they're next to each other, it's really hard to double team. Somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get a um, a matchup they want. And with that, with Obo now, now you can move miles down to a guard as well, as long as well as um having that Thomason at the three technique on first and second down. But yeah, now they got to account for him. I would say you're going to get much more production uh, from Miles Garrett in the run game as well. And not only is he going to be a big pass rusher, but they're going to have to double team Thomason uh, if they plan on running the ball A A and B gap. And that should leave a little bit more room for those edge guys to make some plays. Now, one more thing on Tomlinson. Is he, is he effective zero to three? So he can line up over center. He can line up three tech. Like, is he effective pretty much anywhere in there? Yeah, he's just a guy who's going to anchor in there. So I saw a couple times, uh, a couple snaps from last year is that when they, you know teams go nickel or dime and they go to a three-man rush, he'll play on the center. And what that does, it's really kind of nice because he's still giving you he's still giving you a big body in there if they decide to run the ball on third and medium or third and long where you think they're going to pass and they run a draw. Uh, he still gives you a big body in there. Uh, yeah, he can play all those spots. He's active enough. 
you know, he had a pretty good pass rush grade last year. His best he's ever had, I believe, was 77%. So he's got some skills. He's got some athletic. Um, I think the Browns got him for exactly what he is. He's a first and second down guy who's going to stop the run. Um, you know, Browns fans aren't going to hear him a bunch. You're not going to, he's not going to make a ton of tackles. He's not going to make a ton of sacks. Um, but the guys around him are really, really going to be thankful he's there. Uh, from Miles Garrett to those linebackers to the secondary guys. Miles uh, Garrett and, and Obo are going to get second and nine instead of second and four. And that's a big difference in terms of pass rush. Because if you look at Miles Garrett's numbers, he's always getting doubled. And, and offenses most of the time have a run pass option. When I mean not the play, but an offensive coordinator against the Browns usually has the whole playbook open to him because he's in those favorable situations. So I, he can play all he can play all those spots inside, and, and the, he's a guy who's not going to get much credit. You won't hear his name very much, but he'll be very beneficial and very important to the Browns. Okay, so let's move to the outside, and and let's move to the guy that the Browns signed first, and that is Obo Okoronkwo, uh, the edge rusher from the Texans. Spent time with the Rams as well. Won a Super Bowl in Los Angeles with the Rams last year. Was really the first year where he got sizable opportunities, especially in the second half of the season when he took over as a starter. So this is a guy that doesn't have a huge sample size, but there are some things to really like when you dig into some of the data on PFF about his win rate, um, the amount of pressure he creates, you know, if it, whatever you think of their grades, he has a good pass rush grade. When you watch Oboe on film, what do you see? Well, first of all, I see a guy with great bend. So let's talk about the Miles Garrett bend. He's obviously not as big as Garrett and, and uh, it's tall, but he's got great bend. He's got great leverage. Um, he's fast and twitchy. He now he, on the other hand, he's not much of a. He's not a guy uh, who's going to set the edge in a traditional way. He's not going to um, square up on that end and, and fight to get pressure. He's a guy who's going to penetrate. He's a one in, in the run game, so he wins his matchups in the run game by angling, slanting. Uh, he wins with speed. He wins with athleticism. Um, occasionally, when you run teams run right at him, they can wall him off uh, on zone plays. Uh, on some gap plays, uh, but he's a guy who plays with a great, great motor. Um, like you said, he only played 10 games, 2019, 2020, he only played 10 games apiece in that year. Uh, was never really a focal point. And like you said, last year, he kind of, down the stretch, he kind of caught his groove and he's a guy who's ascending. I would believe he's ascending, but he plays with great, great motor. He's got great contact. Uh, his pass rush, he doesn't do much in the pass rush game. He wins with speed. So he's going to win with speed. You're going to see him long arm, which he's going to get that inside arm on the chest. So, And then if that doesn't work, he's going to spin inside. And over and over you see him do this. But if you're a guy like him, he runs that well. You don't need a big repertoire. You need to do what you do and do it well, and he does it. So he's going to speed rush. Uh, he's going to long arm, and then he's going to spin inside, and he does it over and over, and he does it at a very high level. So he's not a huge guy, um, 6'1". 253. And I think that's why this is such a, an interesting signing by the Browns. And I haven't looked up things like I haven't looked up his arm length and, and things like that. I know that's something they they like. He's sort of, you know, in the way that Talvin Tomlinson is built a little different than, you know, what they've normally signed at tackle. He's a little different than what the Browns have normally signed or drafted at, at edge rush. Yeah, he's not that long body, long armed, tall guy. He's he, he, for sure. And he's actually a little bit different, uh, different for me than Tomlinson because he uh, like you said, he's smaller. He's almost like an outside backer in a 3-4 look. Um, but when you watch him, the thing that he does, so arm length to me has always been important if you don't get off the football. What he does with his arm length, he gets off the ball first. So when you get off the ball first, you can get your hands on the offensive lineman first. So he negates that arm length, in my opinion, uh, by getting off the ball. Uh, he plays with great leverage. So you're going to see 
uh, over and over on film, you're going to see him get that inside arm up and he gets inside of those big tackles and wins with leverage. So even though he's not tall um, and he doesn't have extremely long arms, he gets off first and he gets that inside arm in, in all the time. And he, when you see him all the time and you stop the film, he's always at a full, he's at a full lean and his leverage is fantastic. And again, uh, plays away. You can't run plays away from him. There's very few uh, snaps of film that he's not all out. Um, he's a guy that they need. He's got some attitude. Um, he plays with a little bit of edge. Uh, he's a guy the Browns need for sure. Okay. So I mentioned some measurables and I was looking them up while you were talking. And this is interesting because we talked about this on a previous podcast, 10 yard split, right? So Miles Garrett, his 10 yard split was 1.63. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, Oboe, if you go back and look at his, I don't know if this is from the combine or from his pro day, but his 10 yard split 1.65. So as you kind of look at some of the things that the Browns probably value in testing 10 yard splits, a big one when it comes to edge. Rushers. Yeah. So you're talking running the hoop there, running that arc in the pass rush. And like you said, when you see it on film, uh, his get off and his, so that speed, uh, you know, with his get off is fantastic. So Again, he doesn't need a huge amount of moves, and he doesn't use a huge amount of moves. He uses his hands very well, but basically he's trying to beat that tackle with speed. And um, he plays, like I said, he plays with uh, remarkable leverage for a guy who's not, you know, 280. He plays much heavier than, uh, I mean, than much heavier than his 250. But um, again, he's a guy, if he has one thing that needs to work on, um, but I'm not sure if it's huge in Schwartz's kind of scheme, he's got to work on setting the edge with play right at him. And that's tough when you're 250. We've, we've talked about it with the defensive tackles. That's that's tough to set the edge at times when you're 250 and the tackle's 330. That's tough. How much does it help, though, to have – because you mentioned this when we talked about Dalvin Tomlinson. How much does it help to have guys who do free up those linebackers? So, you know, the run game, we talk so much about the defensive tackles, but it probably wasn't helping guys like Sione Takitaki and JOK, helping these linebackers come up and offer run support. Um, so how much does it change to just have that in the middle and then also have well, you're getting a guy outside you know, whoever else they find a tackle? Yeah, so Oboe is going to win with inside moves, and he seems to watch film very well. But what a du- what the double team does, if you can stay in there in a double team, whether it be a zone or gap double team, is those offensive linemen are trying to get vertical displacement. And both of those, both of those linemen are going to have their eyes on the linebacker. And whatever way the linebacker goes, that's the guy that's going to come off. With the Browns being undersized in there, they were able to get great movement as they were looking at the linebacker. So as you get the great movement, you can just react to the linebacker's movement and it's easy to get off because you've gotten so much push. So they're doing that two to three yards downfield. Now what happens is that you're, they're not going to get vertical displacement uh, on Tomlinson. So he's going to be right in that B gap and he's going to be at the line of scrimmage. Um, they're not going to be able, the rule is you don't come off the double until you get movement and you've got to block the line of scrimmage first. So you're going to see uh, those linebackers behind run free. And that's what that's what that big tackle does. He doesn't allow the double team. That's when so any defensive holding defensive linemen that get called for holding, that's what it is. They're holding the guy up not to get off on the double team to the linebacker. Uh, with him, he's so big and strong, he doesn't need to do that. He just anchors in there, uh, plays with great leverage, and then it allows those guys not to have to have to worry about it behind him. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk about Juan Thornhill, and then we'll look ahead and see kind of who else is out there uh, that Lance might like for the Browns. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Lance Reisland. We're looking at Browns free agency. So Lance, Juan Thornhill in as the safety. We've talked about the safety position and how important that specific position is in Jim Schwartz's defense. 
Um, Jesse Bates ended up being a little too pricey for the Browns, but this is certainly a good backup plan. Maybe for some people, this was maybe their, their a option. What does Juan Thornhill do? How does he fit in Jim Schwartz's scheme specifically in that? Well, those safeties are kind of have the same mold. So you had a Jim Schwartz defense. You're going to get a guy who's in one high hat by himself. I like Thornhill. He's six foot. He's two Oh three. He's real rangy. Uh, Once again, he's just 27 years old. Browns do a great job of always getting those guys who are either in their prime or approaching their prime. Um, I love the way he run. I, first of all, I love the way he tackles. And if you see uh, teams that don't tackle well in the secondary, uh, that's where you get the big runs. So those guys got to be the, the last line of defense and they got to tackle. He plays free safety very well. So in this defense, he's going to be in a one free, meaning he's, he's going to help over the top. At times, he's going to be in the box. Um, he's played hundreds of snaps, both in the box and at free safety. Uh, he runs the alley very well if he's at the free safety, if he gets an edge run on zone, uh, toss sweep, jet sweeps, things like that. Uh, he's a, like I said, he's a very good tackler. Um, great ball skills, great, uh, body awareness, great spatial awareness. Um, he seems to have a really good handle of what other teams trying to do. Uh, the Browns are also going to run this, uh, this match pattern cover three, um, which the Rip and Liz, the, uh, you know, Saban has made famous. They kind of all learned it together back in the day in the early nineties. And basically you're just matching, uh, concepts and patterns and depth of routes and things like that. Um, and we can get into that in another pod, but he, he's, he's a guy that's smart. He's a tackler. He can go sideline to sideline. Uh, he's ferocious when he does tackle. Uh, I think he's a great, great fit. And those guys have to be able, he can play too high, but he's a guy, the guys the Browns needed is a guy who's going to play that one high hat and, and kind of be the uh, center fielder back there. The other thing that I like, and this, this is a, uh, one of those intangible things. This is a guy who has been a part of three teams that have gone to the Super Bowl. You know, he didn't play in 2019, the first time the Chiefs won. That was the year he tore his ACL. Uh, 2020, he was there when they lost to the Bucs. And then, of course, this last year, he was their starter uh, when when they beat the Eagles. I, there's just something about guys that have been there and have won at the highest level. And even even Oboe's a guy who, who's got a Super Bowl ring. But, but Juan Thornhill has played a significant role in winning one and getting to another. Uh, and, and really, in, in getting to that first one, too, before he got hurt. I think that matters. I think that helps a team like the Browns that just don't have that type of experience to lean on when, when it to just sort of know what it takes to make it through a 17 game season and then have to win those three or four games in January and February. Well, yeah, you know, when you're talking for me, I, I would say the biggest input is he can give would be his knowledge in terms of how to take care of your body, how to pace yourself, practice habits, um, things you need to work on during practice. Uh, you know, that, that's, that January, I always said, so the season's a marathon, but then January to February, it's a sprint. So how do you take care of your body? How do you watch film? Uh, what are you looking for? Um, there's so many other things. Obviously, when you get in the playoffs, there's so many other things that that now I have learned from you guys in terms of like media, um, things that you have that they have to do in the media and all those other things, all those other distractions. So I think he can, um, obviously, he's going to give them knowledge on how to take care of themselves, both on the field and off the field. Um, I think those kind of guys know how to practice. And um, I think the Browns need to pick up their pace a little bit and, and get a little nastier on some days in terms of the want-to. So these guys who have done it um, maybe can bring that into a practice and how you need to practice. Not all the time, but there's times in practice they got to get after it. And I think he'll those guys, if, if you've been there, you know what it takes. And you can, uh, you know, give that knowledge to your teammates. So, um, yeah, I think that's important as well. Okay, um, you know, Mo Hurst is a guy that was brought in uh, as 
you know, look, I think that I think these other defensive linemen they've signed are guys that are going to have to compete um, to to make the roster. They aren't necessarily guys that you circle right away and say this guy's going to be a difference maker, but they're going to have opportunities to compete and maybe make the team and contribute. Moe Hurst is a guy that you know well. So t- tell me a little bit about him. Well, he tore his, tore his bicep last year, didn't play. Um, when he came out of uh, Michigan, he uh, was unable to perform in the combine because he had a heart issue. So immediately, I'm sure teams took a step back on him. Uh, he's a guy, he's not overly big, he's 292 pounds, but he gives you that fast twitch, one gap um, vibe where he can beat people with athleticism. He's got all the tools you want. He's very good with his hands. He's very good against the run. Even though he's 292, he anchors in there very well. Uh, he's got all the physical tools. Um, it's kind of one of those you're rolling the dice because you could get you could get a diamond in the rough because of his talent. Uh, he runs very well. His lateral movement is very good. He's good with his hands. He takes on doubles well. He can be a three down guy. Where Thomason is going to be once again. I'm going to uh, you know pray, uh, sing his praises all the time. Thomas is going to be a first and second down guy. You're never going to hear. Hurst on the other hand is a guy who's going to be in the backfield making plays. Uh, getting some splash plays, doing things, uh, you know, third down nickel type stuff. So, yeah, when you talk about rotational guys, uh, but we've talked about, you know, the Browns now have signed three DTs and a DN. So, obviously, they felt the defensive uh, line, like a lot of us, they felt that they need to uh, to attack that, and they did. But I think, Mo, I think Mo Hurst is a guy that has incredible upside. He's got to stay healthy, and, and he's got to find the right fit. And, you know, maybe coming in where he's not – doesn't have a lot of pressure and he's got Miles Garrett and – and Oboe now, and he's got, you know, Thomason, maybe some guys he can learn from. But he, talent-wise, he is as good as it gets. The 40-yard dash, the three-cone shuttle, the uh, pro shuttle, all those things are through the roof with him. He's he's a good player. I, I just like that there's competition there. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I mean, there's competition on this line across the board. And I, I just think, like, last year you were at camp, um, and it was just very much – Taven Bryan and Jordan Elliott are going first team. Perion Winfrey and Tommy Togiai are going second team. And that's how it was really for all of training camp, all of preseason, and, and really through much of the regular season too, until they, they shook things up a little. They brought in Ben Still, um, some other guys like that. So there's some real competition there at defensive tackle. Um, obviously, Tomlinson has his job, but after that, these young guys are going to have to earn it. Perion Winfrey, Tommy Togiai, Jordan. Nothing is given for any of these guys right now. Yeah, and they're going to have to. They're going to have to pick their game up a little bit. You know, I we we've constantly talked about are, are they going to take the next step? Um, these guys, as a, some of these guys, like Jordan Elliott, um, you know, Togiai, they're going to have to really perform at a high level because that's why these guys are brought in. Um, we have talked about it, like I said, forever in terms of the style of play of their defensive tackles, their style of play, their they're guys who are one gap guys. Um, now this fits a little better with Schwartz, but I don't care what the scheme is. You got to hold in there on first and second down. And uh, I've talked to a lot of people in terms of you know these guys fit the Schwartz scheme better. I don't care what scheme you're in. If you can't stop the run, you're in trouble because you can't get to what you want to do. Jim Schwartz can't get to his exotic stuff on second, third, and long because they can't stop the run on first. If the Browns are not second and six plus, uh, they're going to struggle, and you, you see that all the time. But I. Uh, I'm excited to see some, uh, you know, a little bit of competition, a little bit of edginess uh, during camp this year. I want to see them getting after each other a little bit. Um, to me, that's fighting for a job. Um, those guys, those offensive defensive linemen, that's a really hard job. They should be irritated with each other. Um, they should push and, sho- uh, push and shove each other a little bit, obviously within the rules a little bit, but they should be a little bit on edge. 
And these guys, I think, are going to give you that because, um, first of all, they're going to make the offensive line better, um, which is already a good offensive line. They're only going to get better because they're going against a good offensive line. So the idea of having both sides is really going to help um, create a little bit of an edge. And they got to create a little bit of an edge. If we go back to the Eagles, they had a little bit of an edge when they were here. When they Those guys in that inside run, that goal line session, they have a little bit of an edge, and that's what the Browns need to get to for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think we were sitting there in the bleachers talking about it. Like you could just that Eagles team was nasty. There's no question. They, they, every they, position. Came in, they, they came into Berea. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to see them practice against each other again this year too. Um, kind of see if there's a different approach and see if the Browns do have a little bit of that edge to them. Uh, the name I didn't mention earlier uh, because I blanked on it. It's been that kind of week. Tristan Hill, the other guy that the Browns added uh, at defensive tackle. We'll uh, spend some time on him maybe uh, another day. Lance, I want to get to kind of what you want this team to do next. Well, I think I, I think I think Mary Kay's the one who's wanted the uh, skill receiver for a while, right? So I think they gotta they gotta go out and they gotta get a guy who can get some easy yards. McCole Hardman, uh, Paris Campbell. Uh, there's some, they gotta get a guy who can who can get easy yards and not have to work for everything. So those two st- stick out to me. Um, there's some other guys as well um, that have been floating around, but I for me, I don't think like I've heard Jerry Judy. Um, Jerry Judy gives you the uh, outside guy again. Obviously, he's a super talent. Um, you know, I don't know what price he comes at and, and things like that, but I think they would really benefit from getting an inside guy, an inside guy that can be uh, run the bubble screens, the jets, the RPOs, not that those other guys can't do it, uh, but then it allows those guys to be on the outside. Now, obviously with a talent like Judy, you would work through that and figure out what he can do. But uh, if they're unable to get a guy of that caliber, there are some guys out there um, that are fast and twitchy and, uh, can get easy throws. And for me, it's just a, a matter of can they get easy yards and does every play not have to be perfect for them to, to be successful? And that's what those inside slot guys do. So for me, I love Paris Campbell. I know he's had injuries issues, but I love his speed. Uh, McCole Hardman um, is kind of now even where I thought he was um, kind of a little bit behind Paris Campbell, but I thought um, I think he's fantastic too. I think he can fit uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson. He could be fit such a great role for this offense. Okay, there we go. Uh, just to give you a little behind the scenes here, this is why Lance is the best. I texted him at seven o'clock. I'm like, "Hey, could you jump on the pod and talk about these uh, free agent signings?" And by seven twenty, we were on our uh, our Zoom here uh, talking about the free agent signings. So uh, Lance always there when we need him, and always very knowledgeable. I know people like uh, I know people like listening to you, Lance, and I know you've got some stuff coming. Um, at cleveland.com slash Browns. What, what are you working on now? I'm going to work on the free agents, kind of break them down. So we did, uh, I did Oboe uh, earlier this week. I'm working on Dalvin Thompson as we speak in terms of uh, what they do uh, on the field, in terms of how they use their hands, how they um, how they attack and how they use their skills. And then I'm just going to kind of work my way down the uh, free agents and kind of get a deep dive into film and, and uh, go back and not watch the highlights, but actually go back and watch the entire season where you can see them with their good and bad and things they struggle with. Uh, things they're really good at, uh, you know, what I think what the Browns really liked about them. So kind of work my way through the free agents and then uh, kind of then uh, then we'll switch gears and get into the draft. And, you know, obviously after they sign everybody, you know, what guys still fit in the draft kind of is where I'm headed. Okay, great stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Lance Reisland, R-E-I-S-L-A-N-D. So look for him there and give him a follow 
uh, to get those stories as soon as they post and all of that. Uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you should be one. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter every day. You can become one of our text subscribers, and you can get access to some of Lance's stories if they're behind that paywall. Our Football Insider subscribers can get access to those. And as always, just make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, Lance, appreciate the time. I'll talk to you later. As always, thanks for having me. Go Kent! <laughs>